I wish I could say something that was classy and inspirational, but it just wouldn't be our style. Yeah, I'd like to hear it. SportsDownChicago.com. Lombard, part of the P on Air Network and available on the TuneIn app. Hell yeah. Broadcast home for your Windy City Bulls and the Chicago Dogs. We're in a league of our own. Now, here's your SportsDownChicago.com scoreboard update. The struggling... Oh. At 3 o'clock, I'm AJ Freeze with your SportsTownChicago.com update, powered by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. The struggling and unhealthy Bulls play tonight in Chicago at 7 o'clock versus the Cavs. The Cavs are one of the hottest teams in the NBA currently, as they have just taken down the Nets during their five-game win streak. The Bulls are currently on a four-game losing streak. Zach Levine's MRI came back negative, and he will be reevaluated next week. Caruso looks to be coming back tonight against the Cavs. Still, the Bulls look to pick it back up without the likings of Lonzo, Levine, Javante Green, Derek Jones Jr., and Patrick Williams. In Blackhawks news, for the first time in his NHL career, Alex DeBrincat is an all-star. He was selected by the Chicago's representative for the 2021-22 through season as voted on by the league's hockey operations staff. Since the 2020-2021 through campaign, DeBrincat had 55 goals in 91 games. Only two players have scored more goals over that stretch. The Hawks had a shootout loss on Monday versus the Kraken, and their next game is on Friday at the Madhouse on Madison at 7.30 against the Wild. The Bears are still interviewing multiple people for their open positions at the GM and the head coach. For the head coach in the the term of betting odds, they have Brian Flores as the favorite at plus 250 and Brian Dabble right behind him at plus 400. NFL playoffs continue this week as two games are on Saturday and two more are on Sunday. The Bengals versus the Titans and the 49ers versus the Packers are the Saturday games. Rams versus Bucks, Chiefs versus Bills round up the other two Sunday games. In college basketball news, DePaul is at home tonight versus 20th ranked Xavier. Illinois over the weekend lost a double time th- double overtime thriller to number 4 ranked Purdue. U of I plays their next game on the road this Friday in Maryland. Northwestern hung it up, hung with it last night against number eight ranked Wisconsin, but came up just short. This has been your SportstownChicago.com update brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. Especially for a guy that's having this kind of year. Bradley fouls Morant. They get tied up. And now getting into it on the floor. Stephen Adams literally lifting him up. Tony Bradley, who is not a small guy, he literally just lifted him up and carried him away from John Morant. Tony Bradley is 6'7", 220, and Adams just hoist him. Welcome back to the go-ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And we are coming back here talking about the Bulls. Uh, they are on a tough stretch right now. The Bulls currently are on a four-game losing streak. It has been not pretty. They're very unhealthy. And tonight they're playing the Cavs. How do you feel about it? Uh, you and I were actually talking about it a little bit. Uh, the Cavaliers have three seven-footers in the lineup from small forward through the center position with Markinen, Mobley, and then Jared Allen down there at the center. And with us losing out on... um. Uh, 
Uh, we got, power we're, we're missing, yeah, a lot of people here. Right now, currently, we're missing Lonzo. Caruso does come back tonight. Still no Levine. Javante Green is a huge defender. Derek Jones Jr. We're missing a lot. Still. Yeah, Derek Jones Jr. was playing that four spot in place of Patrick Williams, and we're losing out on him. And even him, he wouldn't have been able to handle the, the big men that Cleveland puts out there. So I'm concerned for the Chicago Bulls tonight. It's going to be a tough matchup as the Cleveland Cavaliers are on a five-game win streak. And they're currently the fourth seed in the conference. So I'm looking for the Bulls to bounce back after a couple tough losses. This isn't as tough a matchup as the games against the Grizzlies, Warriors, and Nets had been. But they are still an injured, banged-up team. So the Chicago Bulls really need to bring it together. And I expect DeRozan to have to carry in order for the Chicago Bulls to win tonight. Yeah, I mean, in in all honesty, DeRozan can only do so much, especially without Lonzo or Levine. Those are his other help, and when he's by himself, you know, he, he can score 25 points all he wants, but Bulls need a hell of a lot more than that if they want to win these games. No, yeah, I totally agree with you there, AJ. You look at uh, Darius Garland, Colin Sexton, I believe Sexton's out tonight. So but yeah, Sexton hasn't been playing, but Garland but is still, on another level right he's now. He's on a tear, averaging around 25 points per game or something of that nature. And that team overall is just deep right now, and when the Bulls are healthy, they're a deeper team than the Cavaliers. But with how banged up the Bulls are, it's going to be a tough matchup tonight. Yeah, I guess the, the big thing we really need to know is that the Bulls need to get healthy. Uh, the Grizzlies are really, really good, and the Celtics are not that good. But, yeah, that Celtics loss was tough, you know, for it, sure. It's hard to pull off these games with the health that the Bulls are dealing with right now. It, it, they're not a full team right now. And speaking of which, at the go-ahead one, I have a question for you guys on Twitter here. Do you think the Bulls, when fully healthy, are a legit one seed? I'll let you go first, though, Will. Uh, I actually do. A lot of people that I've been talking to are saying that these last four games have shown that the Bulls aren't the real deal and that they were kind of put back to where they belong, which is like a fourth or fifth seed, which was what you and I expected initially at the beginning of the season. But you can't claim that when the team isn't healthy. When not every guy, guy is out there, you're not getting the full product. You're going to have the defense Caruso brings. Lonzo's good on both ends of the floor. And Levine is that number two option b beside... Uh, DeMar DeRozan. So really, I do believe that when healthy, this team is a one or two seed in the East, and they're still holding that number one spot. It's only a, they're tied with the Heat, and they're half a game up on the Brooklyn Nets, who are hot. But Brooklyn's looking at Kevin Durant being out for four to six weeks. So injuries are kind of plaguing the NBA all overall, but the Bulls are getting it worse than anybody else. Yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's really tough with uh, what they have going on for them right now. Um, do I think that the Bulls are a legit one seed, one healthy? We've asked this question multiple different ways at, at this point in the season. Are the Bulls a playoff team? Are they a five seed? Now we're all the way up to are the Bulls a one seed? And I'm still leaning towards the side that they're missing the four. If they get an actual good four, I will call them a legitimate one seed, one healthy. I think that's definitely fair, AJ. Uh, you look at how deep other teams are in the four spot. The Bulls, that's just a sore, a sore thumb right there. It sticks out like a sore thumb. The Chicago Bulls need a four, and I believe that they need to let go of Kobe White. He's amazing as a six man, and he brings so much energy off the bench, and his shooting is amazing. But if they want to compete and be a valid one seed in the NBA, especially in the Eastern Conference that's really competitive this season, they're going to need to move on from Kobe White and get themselves a four like Miles Turner, DeMontis Sabonis, and a big blow-up trade like we were talking about. They need to do something with that four spot for sure. Yeah, I mean, at least Io um, has been playing really, really well. He had that double-double the other night that we still lost. 
But man, Oof. he's he he's really a talent. Um I'm I'm pretty much just going to sit back and watch the Bulls make their trade. Whatever they're going to do, they're not going to sit back and not make a trade. I'd be shocked if not one single move was made at the deadline here. And, you know, we've played 40-some games here. We're coming up pretty close. It'll, it'll be quicker than you imagine that these trades will be coming off the market. And we've been talking about it for a long time now. Yeah, we have. It's been a good month or two now that we've been talking about the Chicago Bulls making a move after Patrick Williams went out. But realistically, it's just... It's a necessity for the Chicago Bulls because that is a really weak point. Uh, Nikola Vucevic only can do so much with his perimeter-centric uh, playing style. He can't really handle yeah. down low. And you really need to look towards getting a power forward who can guard the paint, handle big men, and also just really be dominant because the Bulls haven't had a dominant four in a long time. And, you know, um, uh, at least for Pacers' sake, I, you know, I mentioned if Zabonis, you know, if if they get a bonus, do you think they're a one seed? Like legitimately, right? I genuinely do. Right, one hundred percent. So I mean, that's like a superstar for that. That puts them over the line. That puts them up there with all those other teams, at least in my opinion, because everything else that the Bulls have currently fits the module of a top team. They're just missing one little spot. I'm with you there, AJ. And even with Patrick Williams coming back around the All-Star break, I think you could slot him in worst-case scenario and then the Bulls go on a hot streak. But if they want to stay where they're at, they need to jump and make that move. And a guy like Sabonis, multiple-time All-Star, would be just the right thing. The defense would be really nice to have P-Will back. And just, you know, the Bulls are a defensive-minded team and any other defender. You know, I, I miss Javante Green, actually. Javante Green is a bench player, but, man, has he hustled. What he did on defense yeah, was huge I mean, for the Bulls. And that's why I'm really looking forward to tonight. I know Caruso can only do so much, but what he brings to the court is I, huge. It's, so it's he unreal. can definitely potentially handle a guy like Darius Garland tonight and limit his scoring ability. But then we talked about the 3, 4, and 5 for Cleveland. It's going to be hard for our guys to hold them back. DeMar's a great 3 and D guy, but 4 and 5, I'm scared tonight, honestly. I... <laughs> Tonight the Cavs are minus three uh, to the Bulls, and um, I'm not gonna sit here and lie to you. I I'm taking the Cavs. Uh, I'm taking the Cavs minus three. I don't think we, I don't think we win this game. I don't think the Bulls are gonna win this game. No. The optimist in me and the Chicago Bulls fan says the Bulls might pull one out if Demar drops thirty plus and Alex Caruso pulls up on defense. But realistically, we couldn't beat teams like the Boston Celtics when we were. At uh, at our worst injury-wise. So I I agree you with know, you, AJ. Realistically, the Cleveland Cavaliers have it tonight. The, la- the last time the Bulls played the Cavs, Bulls got smoked. Blown One, out of the water. 115-92, not even close. And that team was healthy, if I'm not mistaken, correct? It was pretty, pretty healthy. I mean, not, the Bulls have never yeah. been like basically fully healthy this entire season, but healthy enough during that game at least. No, yeah, 100%. It's It's tough. It really is. Uh, the Chicago Bulls are on a real skid right now, and they do look to bounce back. But with the banged up key players, you know, yeah. it's just Ho- not hoping, easy. Hoping for the best, you know. I'm just talking about where I'm going to put my money. Where I no, think yeah. this is a profitable night. I think I don't. Th- I don't. I don't have faith in in the Bulls tonight. I just. I just don't. If I was a betting man, I'd be on your side too, AJ. Quite honestly, and you know, at least if you're gonna, if if you lose, you might lose some money, right? You're not like. I don't bet ridiculous amount of money, so it doesn't hurt my soul if I take a loss. No, yeah, and especially if Pleasantly I surprised. bet against the Bulls and they win. Pleasantly surprised. That's, that's a 
Okay. Well, I lost my money, but hey, the Bulls won. The Bulls pulled off the upset. Yeah, yes. that's that's an that's that's the silver lining in it right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Um after this Cavs game, sadly the Bulls do have another really tough game right after it. They got to play Giannis in Milwaukee. So, if they lose tonight and they lose tomorrow, the Bulls will then be on a six-game losing streak, like right after they just had like a nine-game win streak. Yeah, after the historic nine-game win streak that was the longest win streak in a decade for the Chicago Bulls, they're going to be looking at a skid that's like pretty awful. Just wiping it away. Just, yep. I mean, the, the tough part was is that when we had last had our show last week, we mentioned how difficult the games were, but they were decently healthy. They just started dropping like flies at the Nets game. Levine got hurt or I actually can't remember what game he got hurt. I was there. I think he got hurt. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yes. Yeah. The first four minutes of the game. Right. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So still my point was, is that they were more healthy at that time when we were talking about that schedule. So we knew they were going to be tough games going forward with the health. It's not, it's not with it, the health. It's not even, it's not even close. Realistically. Like it's like the old bulls playing them. I mean, no, yeah, genuinely you saw like a casual Chicago bulls fan knew four of the guys that were, played in that game realistically. I mean, no, like DeMar and Vooch was still there, but like... No, but they, like, you know the top four guys. You know Vooch, you know DeMar, and you know another couple key players. But outside of that, you're missing a lot of your assets that really bring stuff to the table. So it's going to be tough. And I look for the Bulls to bounce back tonight. But if they don't, I'm not expecting anything better in Milwaukee unless we get some of the guys back. Um, From that jaw... Um, scuffle. What do you What do you have to say about that? I'm going to be quite honest with you. Jaw's a little bit too aggressive for my liking. He's an MVP caliber caliber player, and he's got a lot of confidence. But I also look at it as arrogance. He's just picking on somebody. He got tangled up, and then he started pushing and things of that nature, talking smack. And he's done that a couple times this season with players. It's it shows raw talent and confidence, but it also shows. Just the bad boy era of basketball coming back a little bit with these guys tussling and things of that nature. What are your thoughts? Um, I, I personally, I guess I'm a, I'm a little bit on the other side. I do love the flair and I do love it, but um, I, I guess uh, I don't. I was a little bit more on the side of that. Um, Tony Bradley just needed to walk away and let him go, and you know it's showing frustration. You know you're down by thirty points, you're getting blown out for. a fourth straight loss i get it i get it but like just let let the dude go let you guys do your own thing he's at home court there's nothing you're gonna get out of it they're not gonna eject him they're not gonna give him a foul especially you know his his star level compared to tony bradley they picked him up you know like it was just tony bradley against the world so i mean it was just something i wanted to discuss anyway but for um, me it's russell westbrook energy and, (laughs) and you know i love russell westbrook prime russell westbrook but there's just a level of arrogance. You can, I know it's basketball and things of that nature, and that's normal. But I, I appreciate a guy who puts his head down, talks smack, and backs it up. A guy like Michael Jordan, someone who time in and time out would say something and then back it up with elite play. Sure, John Morant's great, but he's not Michael Jordan. He's not of that level where you can talk smack. He's not LeBron. Like I appreciate when those guys do it because they are the best at what they do. John Morant's a top 10, top 15 player, but he is not the best player in the world. And that's the kind of energy I expect from the greats. So uh, going forward now, we're going to be moving into some football after our break here, our commercial. Um, 
Who do you think are the Super Bowl favorites with all the teams going forward? We'll get we'll break down the playoffs and what's going on forward in these games and who has the best chance at winning the Super Bowl. Stay tuned. This is your home for sports. SportstownChicago.com. Joe's Hot Dogs has been around since 1953, but I promise it's not old news. You don't have to like hot dogs to like Joe's on Plainfield Road in Joliet. Italian beef, hot dogs, shakes and sides. My family's had a relationship with Joe's Hot Dogs for three generations. Golden fries with a tad bit of salt and the perfect amount of crunch come in a bag as big as your hand. And that's just a small. For more on the menu, visit joeshotdogsjoliet.com. Bringing that classic Chicago flavor to the suburbs. That's Joe's Hot Dogs across from CVS on Plainfield Road in Joliet. At the football game, Jim shows the telltale signs of being wasted. He starts flexing for the camera. He refers to his muscles as gunboats. He screams, how's this for a halftime show? Jim streaks the field. It's easy to tell if you've had way too many to drive. But what if you've had just one too many to drive? Never underestimate just a few. Buzz driving is drunk driving. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, the Ad Council, and this station. There are everyday actions to help prevent the spread of respiratory diseases. Wash your hands. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Avoid touching your eyes, nose, and mouth. Stay home when you are sick. Cover your cough or sneeze. Clean and disinfect frequently touched objects. For more information, visit cdc.gov COVID-19. This message brought to you by the National Association of Broadcasters and Windy City News Radio. The Illinois Center for Broadcasting is now the Illinois Media School. We've been an institution in the Chicagoland area now for 30 years. Because the broadcasting world is always changing, so are we. Not only are we teaching radio and television production, but now you can learn all aspects of the media industry, like web design. You can even specialize in TV or film, sports broadcasting, and even sales. No matter where you are in the Chicagoland area, we have a campus near you. The Illinois Media School. Be on TV, be on radio, beonair.com. Maybe that was money. Tell me that wasn't money. Yo, yo, yo. Check us out. We are the go-to guys. I'm your boy, Space. I'm your boy, MC. Check us out every Thursday from 4 to 5 p.m. We spitting all facts, all sports, all day. Yes, sir. Who else are you going to go to in the clutch? Lillard, long range three. Keeping you up to date with all the latest sports news. We are the go-to guys. Where else are you going to get all your sports news from? You know. SportstownChicago.com. Uh, the Raiders and the Bengals are playing, and I guess I'm personally shocked that people are are on this. There are some people calling for the upset that the Raiders are going to win. I know that they just beat the Chargers in that crazy game where they could have tied. Game, yeah, man. like it, I know they just did that, but the Bengals just took down the Chiefs. Like the Bengals are a real player in the playoffs this year, and I'm definitely agreeing with you. I feel like the Bengals are going to pull that. <laughs> Welcome back to the Go Ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And yeah, as you just heard it, we were talking about some college, or not college, we were talking about some of the NFL playoffs last week, and we were talking about how the Bengals are a real deal, and yeah, the Bengals proved it. They they looked a lot better than the Raiders that game. Of course, the Raiders still competed, and it was a decently close game, but I'm still sitting here, and I'm still going to tell you that the Bengals have an absolute shot at this going forward. They're playing the Titans this weekend. How do you feel? Uh, I definitely agree with you. I think that they can pull off what I look at as an upset against the Titans. 
And Joe Burrow just went all out. His completion rate was insane, and he threw for 244 yards. And then who we were talking about last week, Jamar Chase, rookie of the year in our opinion, uh, had 116 yards on nine receptions. So, I mean, overall, the young guys for the Bengals played amazing, and then the defense held held a reasonably good offense to 19 points. So I definitely could see them going pretty far in the playoffs this year, and the I'm sure one, you agree. The one big thing for the Titans is the question mark for them is what is Derrick Henry going to play like in his first game back that he hasn't played all season long? Like, I mean, you know, he got hurt early, early in the year, mm-hmm. and now this is his first game back. So what is he going to do? What is he going to look like? How many snaps is he going to get? Is he going to play the whole game? Is he going to be healthy? A lot of question marks. What I think personally is that they're going to go balls to the wall in regards to playing Derrick Henry in this game. And outside of that, I mean, you just yeah, can't ask too, you, you can't ask too much of him, though. Realistically, he hasn't played basically all season. So he's going to get all those reps, and I'm sure he's ready out. He's ready for the game, but you can't ask too much of that man when he's been out all season. So he'll perform well, but I don't think he can carry the team to a win. I know they've got other assets that can win them that game, but they're going to be depending on Henry a lot this game. And of course, you know, Julio Jones and A.J. Brown for the Titans are always health question marks. So that's pretty much the biggest thing for the Titans, but they've been having those question marks all season long and they got to buy. So... The spread is plus three and a half. It is projected to be a close game within a field goal or so. And my my reasoning behind the, I think the Bengals will have this upset win is that their offense is just too much. I know the Bengals have a decent defense, but the Bengals in and, in and out have been almost scoring like 30, 40 points a game, and they looked pretty damn good against the, the Raiders in that game. Yeah, the defense was... It's not as good as that offense is, but their defense is formidable against playoff teams, and they showed that against the Las Vegas Raiders. And I really do expect a really great performance from them offensively. And Joe Burrow said that they weren't going to be celebrating after that game. They expect to continue to win. This isn't the big. This isn't what they're trying to celebrate is a win in the first round of the playoffs. They're really looking towards the Super Bowl, which is high aspirations for a young team. But they've got dogs on that squad, and they really want it. So I, mean, I agree yeah, with they, you. They're they were, take they were that supposed game. to be a three three win team this year, or something like that. They were still really bottom of the food chain when the preseason projections came in. They were supposed to be last place in their division. They're they won their division. They won their first game in the playoffs now, and they looked good, and they continue to look good. So here, us as a go ahead, th- those are that's our underdog team that we're cheering for. Yes, sir. Um, so. Go Bengals, and uh, we're taking them on the plus three and the money line. Um, but let's talk about some Bears really quick. We wanted to get into the Bengals there really quickly because we're really excited about them, and it's been a lot of fun. Um, Bears coaching. Um, I'm going to ask this for uh, Twitter here, at the go-ahead one. Should the Bears focus on whether or not the coach should be offensive or defensive-minded? Like, Does that matter to them? Should that be a huge deal of concern when they're signing the head coach? What are your thoughts? I'm I'm curious. Um, you know, I I actually do believe we should probably find somebody offensive minded when the Bears have all of that together. You know, the defense is still pretty solid and it will be solid going forward. Um, and even the offensive pieces you have, you have a, a good running back, you have a solid 
young quarterback and you have at least one good wide receiver and even Komet is going to be a decent tight end going forward. You have the pieces in front of you already. So the job for the Bears is enticing and I would much rather have somebody who can change this Bears who have been bottom tier offense year in and year out with Nagy uh, close to the 30th in yards per game, scores, whatever. The Bears continuously won these games by only giving up, you know, 15 points because the defense was so good. That's how the Bears won games. So if you get a coach that's more offensive-minded, maybe you can find somebody that will at least change that up and change up the offensive look of not being so terrible. I do agree with you, AJ, and I actually kind of had a little bit of a rebuttal for, I guess, defending potentially a defensive coach. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Matt Nagy was an offensive coach in regards to his his style, and that didn't work out. But realistically, I just didn't think he was the right fit for the Bears. And if they can get an offensive-minded coach like Brian Flores, who can cater to helping a young quarterback in Justin Fields and really making it work for him, I know he's got the talent, but he's also young. And young quarterbacks need good leadership in regards to their coaching and their offense in general. Well, I would would tell you that I think Flores is honestly a defensive guy. And one thing I also want to say about Brian Flores that at least turns me off is if— the Miami Dolphins didn't want him. How? Why would the Bears want him? I guess is my my question. That's fair. I recall uh, reading something about how he didn't like Tua and he didn't want them to take Tua in the draft. I, I mean, that's fair. I know that he had a bunch of stuff uh, within uh, players and within uh, the upper office, right? Like that. Those were some of his problems. But I guess I don't know. It concerns me that if the Dolphins don't want him, then I, you know, it just it's just a concern. It's not like the biggest deal. I'm not saying here like, oh no, the Dolphins don't want him. We don't want him. No, I'm just saying like it's a concern. No, absolutely. If you if the guy gets let go after the team had a reasonable season, not a great year, but they started the year off pretty badly, if I'm not mistaken, and then they kind of turned no, it around were, a little they bit. They were one and seven, and then they went to eight and seven. And yeah, they turned it around exactly. So I mean, leadership wise, I think he is good, but. I maybe he just wasn't the right fit for the Dolphins and the Bears see him as somebody who can be what we need and really I'm what the Bears need. So I guess I'm I, I just I'm going to say that my personal favorite for the Bears head coach going forward is uh, the Bills offensive coordinator Brian Dabble. Uh, I would I would like to see somebody you know somebody who's worked directly with Josh Allen, which you know is a mobile quarterback as well. Somebody who has experience of what everything that the Bears hope Justin Fields could turn out to be. I, I have no problem with that. You look at how uh, he's done a great job with Josh Allen, obviously. I mean, he could do the same as the head coach for the Chicago Bears. It's just a question of leadership and if he can handle manning the entire squad, which, I mean, that's probably not really an issue for him. But if he's second in the running, there's a reason why the Bears want him, and he's probably a formidable option for the Chicago Bears this season. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see what the Bears do. Um, we'll, we'll keep everybody up to date here with – Every single interview and anybody that they have up on here. Uh, currently, Flores is the favorite. Dabble's right behind him. I will be happy with whatever happens because I believe that the Bears are going to find the right hire for this because it's such a glaring need and has been for quite some time. If you're going to fill the shoes in here, you better fill it right. I agree because the Bears have struck out in the last couple coaching positions, whether it be John Fox, obviously Matt Nagy, Mark Tressman. After the Lovey Smith era, everyone can give crap to Lovey Smith, but he got the even job then, done. Yeah, even then, he actually he brought, he brought them to a Super Bowl. Uh, 
played a lot of playoff games, was competitive. Um, we didn't make the playoffs this year. That <laughs> plain and simple. Yep. So. And th- there was this was a team that could at least have been 500. Absolutely. And just the leadership and I suppose to an extent injuries are what really held them back. But anybody, whether it be Brian Flores or another option, anything is better than uh, Matt Nagy as far as I'm concerned. All right. Last last couple bits here. Um, 49ers versus Packers. That game is going to be freezing in Green Bay. Does San Francisco have a chance at all? For me personally, I don't think they're going to pull off another upset like they did against the Cowboys. You were right there, and I'll give you your credit, AJ. They did beat the Cowboys in an interesting fashion, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But I really do believe that the Green Bay Packers are going to come out and they're going to just beat the brakes off of the 49ers, who are a good team, but comparable to what Aaron Rodgers brings and how he can carry that offense for the Green Bay Packers. I really do take the Packers in this game. How about Uh, yourself? Yeah, I'm going to say that... um Jimmy G can't can't get this one done. This is this is too high for him to go into Green Bay yeah. and take down Aaron Rodgers. That's it's really a lot. I'm I, with you. I, I I already was, you know, I called the one of taking down Dak and the Cowboys in Dallas, but another road game in Lambeau, freezing cold. Mm-mm, I'm not feeling it. Yeah, that's Aaron's stomping grounds. It's gonna be. It's going to be a beatdown, in my opinion. All right, we got like another minute. We'll do 30 seconds each here. Rams versus Bucks. What do you got there? I got the Rams, man. Uh, the Buccaneers are a great team, don't get me wrong. But what I watched last week with the uh, Rams just putting the beats to the uh, Arizona Cardinals, I definitely have to take. Yeah, I feel like they're, the yeah. Rams are more prepared, especially defensively. Bucks, you know, even though they took the breaks off of uh, Philadelphia, Philadelphia is just, they were not the same team there. They're not even at close. You know, Cardinals would absolutely do the same thing if they were to play the Eagles, at least in my opinion. I'm with you. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go Rams. are going to take down Tom Brady. It's going to suck for him, but it just doesn't have enough to do it. I, I, I That's how I feel. But it, it's going to be a really good game, as, as well as the last game, which might as well be a Super Bowl game, Bills versus Chiefs. Probably the best game that we're going to see. Who you there. got there? I think Josh Allen's doing a lot right now, and... Wow. Chiefs have a terrible defense. I, I respect that. The offense is overpowering for the Chiefs, but the Bills, I think, can hold them back. So I'm with you there. And would you call that an upset, or what's the line? Yeah, like I would. There? It's two. It's two and a half. But I would say it's an upset because the Chiefs are the best team, like to be favored. Um, all, all right, right but that's that'll wrap up our NFL segment. Um, we're gonna get into college basketball when we come back. Um, Battle of Indianapolis. IU, Indiana University versus Purdue. Is Purdue a legit number one seed in the tournament this year? We're home for sports. SportstownChicago.com. Scoreboard update. I'm Will Shoemaker at 3.30 with your Sportstown Chicago update. Powered by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to beonair.com. The Chicago Bulls have been struggling, struggling as of late as they lost their last four games. They look to bounce back tonight against the four-seed Cleveland Cavaliers. The Bulls still hold the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. The Bulls are currently banged up and will hopefully get key players back in the next couple of days. The Chicago Bears are looking to sign their GM prior to signing Matt Nagy's replacement. The Bears are turning a new leaf and we look forward to what the future holds. Brian Flores looks like he's the favorite to fill the head coaching position. The Chicago Blackhawks suffered a tough loss Monday night at the hands of the struggling Seattle Kraken. The Hawks look to bounce back Friday night against the red-hot Minnesota Wild. In, in baseball news, the MLB players met with the owners as the end of the lockout is hopefully coming to an end soon. 
The Chicago White Sox have signed Cuban phenom Oscar Colas to a $2.7 million deal. Oscar was the fifth-ranked international prospect. He plays all three outfield positions as well as first base, and he can also pitch. This has been Will Shoemaker with your SportstownChicago.com's update. Brought to you by the Illinois Media School. If interested in a career in media, go to BeOnAir.com. This is your home for sports. Red left. SportstownChicago.com. Take that exit and get to the Southern Cafe, home of the Nasty Biscuit on Roselle Road in Roselle. Get over there and try the Chicken Fried Chicken Biscuit made with the Southern Cafe's house-made drop biscuit with buttermilk chicken fried chicken smothered in country gravy topped with shredded cheddar and crumbled hickory smoked bacon. I always say that when you go to the Southern Cafe, you come out with two meals with the heaping amounts of food they serve you in every meal. I love to go to a place with outdoor seating. The Southern Cafe has a great outdoor seating area to help social distance, and I get to enjoy my breakfast outdoors. Open 6.30 a.m. to 3 p.m. to give you plenty of time to grab an amazing breakfast or lunch. Now get your butt over to the Southern Cafe on Roselle Road. Hello? It's speed walking day. Dorothy, you're breaking up. Did I mention we'd be slowing down when we pass the court where those fine brothers play ball? I heard that. Reduce your risk of cancer, diabetes, heart disease, and stroke. Get active, eat right, and maybe even run into Mr. Right. Isn't sisterhood beautiful? For more information, go to everydaychoices.org. Brought to you by the American Cancer Society, the American Diabetes Association, the American Heart Association, the Ad Council, and this station. Alert! Alert! Be gone, maxed-out credit cards, overdue loans, suffocating interest rates, and relentless collection agencies. If your credit rating is making you and others around you cringe, there's only one thing to do, and that's to turn to the professionals at Creative Credit Solutions. Even if your credit is less than perfect, we'll help you get back on track. You can do it, and we can help. Call today or visit creativecreditsolutions.net for your free credit check report. Blow the whistle on SportstownChicago.com. Mondays and Fridays from 2 to 3 p.m. as we talk NFL. The game plan was really sound. In the quarterback league, it, it has been, it still is. Franchise-defining quarterbacks. College football. Will Jim Harbaugh make it through the season as Michigan's head coach? Some more Big Ten talk. And here's some things you wouldn't expect. I would have never expected that. Get all of that and more on Blow the Whistle on SportstownChicago.com. Welcome back to the Go Ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And we're going to be getting into college basketball. So, getting into it right away, I was just talking about the IU versus Purdue game, which is tomorrow night. Uh, Purdue is a four seed. They've been playing really well. They just had a double overtime game against Illinois. And I guess my question to you is, do you think... Purdue is a legitimate number one seed in the tournament going forward. You know, since they're ranked four, they they would be in the top four of the rankings. With the way they're playing, I mean, realistically, yeah, they they are a top dog. And being ranked four, I think, is fair for them. Just comparable to some of the other teams that are powerhouses in college basketball. But they are a, they are a valid one seed, in my opinion, for sure. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I never expected... Auburn or Arizona to be this good I definitely expected I mean I pretty much my my first four until this point was always Gonzaga Baylor Duke Purdue that was pretty much like my my four those were my guys so Auburn and Arizona being up there is shocking to me 
I don't know if Auburn or, you know what, I'm going to say Auburn is a one seed, but I don't know about Arizona. I don't know about Arizona well enough. I've seen a lot of Auburn, and I even called for them to lose a game against LSU, and LSU is very good. Also, they're ranked 13, but Auburn has played at such an exceptional rate that I've never expected. They have Jabari Smith, who's probably going to be a top three pick. So Auburn, I believe, is a one seed. Gonzaga is a one seed. Purdue is a one seed. And then from there, that last one seed, it could be Arizona. It could be Baylor. It could be Duke. It could be Kansas. I would be shocked if it was Wisconsin. Wisconsin's good, but not, not that seed. good. Not a one no, yeah. seed. No, not They're a, a great seed. team, but they aren't up there with the guys like you're mentioning, like Gonzaga and Auburn. Those are just top dogs who have consistently been great basketball teams. And, I mean, Arizona has always been a good basketball program, but they're really just going. It's hard when they play yeah. the, like, in the Pac-12, you know, they're not, they're, they are in a major conference, but, you know, uh, Auburn, they have to play Kentucky, they have to play Tennessee, Yeah, it's LSU. not the Big Ten or 12, yeah, yeah. I 100% agree. It, and speaking of that, actually, that's my question here for the go-ahead, at the go-ahead one, which conference is better, the Big Ten or the Big 12? Your thoughts, and then I'll let you know mine. Ooh, um, I'm going to probably get some hate for this one, but I'm actually going to say the Big 12 is better. I actually do believe so. Uh, Kansas, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech. I, I, it's hard because both both of them are so good. Even Iowa State, you know, both, both conferences. I believe these are the two best conferences. I believe the Big 10 is better than the ACC or better than whatever. It, it, it is the Big 12 and then the Big 10. That is what I have it at least. For me personally, just being a Chicago kid and being around the area, I've always loved the Big Ten a little bit more, and I'm just going to be a little bit biased here. And we are uh, we are usually uh, not biased in regards to our takes, but I just really do love the Big Ten, and I appreciate the teams that are in the Big Ten. But the Big 12 is the powerhouse, realistically. I mean, it's hard when you got like a, a, a Baylor team that is, is up there, and then you have... All, all of these other teams of, you know, Iowa State, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, West Virginia. You have those teams that are just, those are no scrubs for Kansas to ever get by. Um, it's it, it's really hard to, to gauge, and, you know, it, it could go either way. Last year, I was all over that the Big Ten was the best conference in college basketball by far, and they had... The, they they the, were they realistically had this, they last had year. They had standings yeah. and, and the records to prove it that they were sure. the most competitive one. And they got smoked in the tournament. Yep, it was ugly for the Big Ten in the tournament last year. So, I mean, coming from a practical point of view, Big 12 is where it's at in regards to dominant teams. And just throughout the top 25, you see a lot more in regards to the Big 12 comparable to the Big Ten when it comes to the top teams. But, I don't know, I feel like teams in the Big Ten are on the rise recently, and they can, t- can, can, they can continue to do so. You know what? I will definitely say there's a lot of teams figuring out their strides here. Michigan State's looking really, really good. Iowa's starting to come back and look at their top peak. You know, it's, it's harder for them. They have Keegan Murray, and they have Bohannon still. So they have a lot of decent talent there, but, you know, Big Ten's very difficult still. Yep. Um. I don't know what's going on with Michigan. They played really well against Maryland yesterday. They whooped them, but I would still take Illinois over them. Illinois is ranked 
17. Yeah, Illinois is ranked 17th, and they've gone up since the last ranking eight spots just yeah, due to the fact that playing, they've been on a roll, yeah, and I feel like they really can well. continue to do so. I don't think they'll get up to the top 10, but they can move up a couple more spots with teams like Michigan State and LSU falling a little bit. I don't know how to feel about Ohio State either. I don't. Yeah, Ohio State's kind of been on a little bit of a down spiral. They're currently 11-4. and four. And points-wise, they're just not up there like some of these other teams are. You know what I mean? Yeah. They're low-scoring affairs. Their defense is kind of not necessarily carrying them to their wins, but their offense isn't doing what some of the top 10, 15 teams are doing. And the Big East always competes, but, you know, again, not the Villanova's the only real dog from there. Sometimes they'll have some other decent schools of, like, you know, a Butler and uh, a Xavier or Seton Hall, something like that. Maybe just Marquette has a good year. year. No, there's just, it's just, you know, Xavier's decent, but not up there enough to be scary to towards Baylor or Gonzaga or something like that, you know. Uh, one of those teams I already mentioned was Texas Tech that is from the Big 12 that I would be scared of. Just because, you know, in the fact of that they already took down Kansas and Baylor. And they're way up there. Those are top 10 teams easily, no matter what, how you look at it. The tournament should be really fun this year. There will be the first round. Uh, there will be the round of 64 yep. and the round of 32. There will be some games in Indianapolis and as well as Milwaukee. I'm going to go get tickets to go to Milwaukee, and then I already have tickets. I haven't bought the Milwaukee tickets yet. I'm going to. But I already have tickets to the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight in Chicago at the United Center. So I think I might be joining you for that, quite <laughs> honestly, AJ. That sounds yeah. like a lot of fun. So I don't know the matchups or anything like that, but of course, you know, I'll, I'll keep you guys up to date with that. We'll have probably our... Dang, I mean, I'll have a whole segment towards... March Madness when they actually have the brackets out. So, I mean, we'll we'll have a lot going forward for you. I'll keep you up to date on everything that is college basketball going forward. Very early, though, AJ, just out of curiosity, if you were to pick a team to go real far in the tournament, who is it? Uh, uh, eight, just any team? A, a particular team that you see going to the Final Four or the Elite Eight. Um... That you're confident that can just go on a run, regardless I'm, of Cinderella stories. I'm well. It's not an underdog though. That's the problem. No, yeah, I'm aware. I'm saying okay. like the upset, un, like the upset underdogs. Regardless of that happening, who's somebody who you think can persevere through that and be a team that goes to the final four or elite eight? Uh, I still that. always love Gonzaga. They have Timmy, who has been around for a while now. He has experience. Uh, and they have now probably it's possible that he'll be the first overall pick, but uh, Chet Holgram. So they have two huge guys. Their their four and five is the best four and five of all of college basketball. And I think that's probably one of the scariest things to always have is that you have really good scorers and really good defenders that are seven foot tall down low. Oh, I love Chet personally. Uh, when I lived in Minnesota, actually, I remember uh, him being in junior high playing uh, travel basketball, and he was an absolute dog then, and now he is a top 10 player in college basketball potentially. So, I mean, and I always – I love Mark Few, and I love his coaching. I, I Gonzaga is actually, you know, of course, they're the one seed in the entire country right now, but for me, they're always that um, – that team I always actually like to cheer for because it's not a Duke. It's not a North Carolina. It's not a Kentucky. Yeah, yeah I agree. They're all the way out in the West Coast. They play scrubs. So I, I, I really always cheer for Gonzaga, and I do think they're a pretty good team this year. I agree, and they do go far when they do make it to the tournament. 
So because they they always put out good good ball clubs. You know, good coaching is always such a big thing. I always like to pick teams that have better coaching because it's just it's a lot better when you have somebody that can actually have the leadership and the reins to bring it all in. There's it is a lot for a college basketball player to play in that tournament. Yeah, it, coaching it is, is everything at the college level, especially in the tournament. Talent yeah, I mean, gets no, the, you somewhere, but coaching and that leadership is really what brings it all together. Like NBA, uh, NBA coaching, they can only do so much, you know. They're grown men that they're coaching. Right. Those guys are going to independently do what they like. And these are kids. Yeah, that's a great take. And that's also one thing you also have to remember when you're, <laughs> when you're sports betting college basketball or college football. These these are still kids, you know. Yeah, they, they're, prof- they're semi-professional just due to how talented they are. But at the end of the day, they aren't out there making millions of dollars for what they're doing. Uh, do you have anybody that you like who uh, as a favorite going forward? Uh you know, I, I'll actually say this: non-underdog favorite. You got a favorite? Uh, non-underdog. I. This is gonna sound crazy, and I'm gonna get hate for this potentially. I love Duke. I've always loved Duke. Yeah, they're villains, know. and they're I mean, always good. Uh, Coach K. I mean, Coach K's final season. Yep. Banchero is a beast. Also, probably, I would say, I would say the, the the top three picks. I could be totally wrong on this, and I'm forgetting somebody, but it should be Holmgren, Jabari Smith, and then um. What team did you just say? Duke. Yeah, Banchero. There you yeah. go. So those three, I believe, are going to be like the first three picks in the NBA draft this year. And when you have a top three pick on Coach K's team, you have it's to dangerous. imagine they're going to compete very, very well. 100%. Like some of those Duke teams in the 2016 to 2018 era, when they had so many powerhouse players who went in the lottery, those teams went very far in the tournament. So I think that's going to be the case yeah, again this gonna year. It's going to be really hard for me to find out a time in that tournament that Duke's ever going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be hard to pick. that. Even, you know, Final Four, it's going to be hard to pick them for them to lose. Uh, but, you know, that'll wrap it up for our college basketball segment. Um, Oscar Colas is about to sign with the White Sox. So what does that mean for the White Sox and the future for Oscar with the White Sox? So stay tuned. What's up, Chicago? If you're ever, and I mean ever, out looking for good urban food 24-7, come down to White Palace Grill located 1159 South Canal Street in Chicago. White Palace Grill is open 365 days a year since 1939. I personally love the steak and egg dinner, but whether you like burgers for breakfast, steak for lunch, or French toast for dinner, White Palace is the place for you. The diner is a 24-hour urban oasis. Come now. Come later. Hey, come now in later. We never close at White Palace Grill located 1159 South Canal Street in Chicago. Visit us at whitepalace.com or order with Uber Eats or Grubhub anytime, any day. Daddy, when you look at me, I could see your wheels turning. About what am I going to be when I grow up? A major equal spaceman? Maybe a point guard for a national champion? The odds of a child becoming a professional athlete are 1 in 16,000. Far-fetched? Maybe. But did you know the odds of a child being diagnosed with autism are 1 in 166? That's right, 1 in 166. To learn the signs of autism, go to AutismSpeaks.org. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Go to Lux Barbershop for the best barbers and stylists in Plainfield, Illinois. I go there when I have an important event, date, or I just want to look good. The straight razor shave will have you looking fresh and smooth. Lux Barbershop is open seven days a week. Go to Lux Barbershop for the finest barbers, stylists, braiders, and massage therapists in the southern suburbs. Check out all their daily deals on Facebook, Instagram, and LuxBarbershop.com. Hi, 
This is Joe Perry. And Steven Tyler of Aerosmith for Red. You know, it's okay to rock and roll and party down. Just don't get in that 2,000-pound bullet when you're done and cocked. And please don't drink and drive. Someone that jaded you. A reminder that friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the Ad Council, U.S. Department of Transportation, National Association of Broadcasters, and RAD. The Chicago Dogs are back on SportsTownChicago.com. Tune in to the season opener against the Sioux City Explorers Friday, May 28th at Impact Field in Rosemont. First pitch at 7.05 p.m. Hear all the action right here on SportsTownChicago.com. Welcome back to the Go Ahead. I'm AJ Freeze. And I'm Will Shoemaker. And getting into it right now, we were just talking about Oscar Colas, and the White Sox are about to sign him. Yeah, Oscar Colas, a $2.7 million deal with the Chicago White Sox. He's the fifth-ranked prospect overall, left-handed power bat. For international. International-ranked prospect. Yeah, my apologies, but fifth-ranked overall internationally. And he's being argued by some of the uh, reporters over there as being the most talented of those prospects. He's got a lot of raw talent. He's 23 years old. I don't see him being major league ready off the bat. But similar to Jose Abreu, who had a lot of experience in Cuba, he'll be quick throughout the uh, minor league system, I believe. Yeah, I was just about to say, you know, the the thing is, is that, you know, most of these guys, when you sign them, they're like 17 years old, right? Yeah. Even, even Tatis, we signed him when he was 16 mm-hmm. and then traded him when he was 17. Don't need to talk about that. Don't but, make me cry. <laughs> Oscar Colas is 23. So, I mean, we're getting a much professional type of player already. We're not getting somebody that needs to be fully developed is what I'm saying. Somebody that has tools already. It's not like you're looking at a 17 year old kid and you're like, I need to develop these tools. This kid has the tools and now you need to prosper them and grow them. I agree. He reminds me of uh Yon Mankata when he signed with the Boston Red Sox. Yon Mankata signed with the Red Sox, spent a year in the minor leagues and then came up at the end of the season for them. Then the Chicago White Sox traded for him. He spent a half a year in the minors at AAA with Charlotte, and then he came up to the major leagues to play for the Chicago White Sox. Now, with Oscar Colas, I can see it being a similar case. Give him a year at AA. Maybe the next year he plays a little bit at AAA. You bring him up when he's around 25 years old. And, I mean, he plays all three outfield positions. He can play first base for whenever Abreu does retire, hopefully not anytime soon. And then he can also pitch. He did so in the Cuban League uh, recently. In in Cuba in 2019, he batted 305, batted 487, hit nine home runs, and he pitched in 2018-2019 season. Only only a little bit as a reliever, but the point is, is that only a couple of years off ago, this guy was pitching in Cuba and as well as batting 300 and slugging like crazy. So the guy has all the raw talent in the world. You might not expect him to be up anytime soon for the Chicago White Sox, but where is his place? Where does he fit? I say personally right field and then give Jose Abreu two or three more years manning first base slash DH, and then you can also platoon him at first base as well. And, I mean, he can also play the outfield positions if you ever want to slot Eloy to the DH spot because his defense is no offense to Eloy, atrocious. But realistically, I mean, Oscar Colas, he can do it all. And hopefully he can do it at the major league level, not sometime soon, but in the next couple of years, 2024, 2025 or so. Yeah, I, I would hope that he gets, if he's 23 now, I would I would expect two years of minor league ball. And I, I agree. think he'd be up. Yeah, um, for sure. But it also depends on what he does in that minor league ball. If you're looking like a Luis Robert, you're like, 
Okay, well, bring him up. Yeah, bring him up then. You know, if anybody plays at that exceptional rate, they they find their they way. They belong. Yes. yes, they find their way in. You know, even Soto, like Juan Soto, got called up when he was twenty because they just couldn't, couldn't keep, keep him down. down. Yeah, you no, hundred percent, so, man, hundred percent. You know, there's there's plenty of guys that'll do that, and I'm not saying that Oscar's going to be that guy, but you know, a 23 year old Cuban, you got to expect anything from him. He, he could be anything. Cuba, outside of the United States of America, is the best place to get baseball players. You know, and just you know the I mean? Islanders in general. Any anybody from Puerto Rico, Dominican, Dominican Republic, yeah, right. Like I, I, yeah, I just say any of the islands uh, yeah. right off. It, it's the hub of baseball players. Baseball rub, runs rampant. It's the most popular sport in those countries, and it shows. You got guys like I mean, from the past, Cano, things of that nature. It's just it's where the products are coming from. And you know what? Think. God, the White Sox have devoted so much into their Cuban missile crisis that they have of a team, you know, of yes. Yoan, Yasmani, Jose, and everybody else, right? They have a whole squadron of Cubans, right? Yep. Well, because of that, you outcompete teams literally like Miami. Miami is right by their home. Mm-hmm. Probably where some of them even escaped from. You know, if if somebody escaped, they probably came in through Miami or That's right what around. Jose there. did right. He so escaped through Miami for the fact that the White Sox can beat out even warm weather teams to teams that live close to those islands, and the fact that they're in this market that they can get Cubans all the time is amazing. And on that note, actually, it's funny. I don't know if you heard about Juan Uribe's son. Yeah, I did hear uh, that. Yeah, actually, yeah, he's had offers from major league teams. And his father has told him not to sign with those teams because he wants him to join the Chicago White Sox because Juan played there for five years, was a part of that World Series team, and his son grew up in the city of Chicago. I think Cuban works for us too, actually. Yes, he does. And the Cuban connection is real. It started really with Minnie Minoso back in the 50s and 60s. Way back. And then Minnie brought along guys like Jose Abreu, and Jose has just festered so much talent with him making the appeal there for the Chicago White Sox to be the team to go to. You know, it, it just it is interesting when you think about it like that. Like, why would any Cuban want to go play in Chicago? Well, all the Cubans are there. That's why. That's yep. it. Plain and simple. You don't. <laughs> yes, sir. And um, then on another note, AJ, uh, we have some news in regards to Carlos Correa and Chicago White Sox starting pitcher Dylan Cease. They both signed with the one and only evil Scott Boris, the money hungry fiend. What are your thoughts on this? Um. So I mean, for Correa. I, it makes sense to me. You'll always get the bang for your buck, especially in the free agency that is going to decide your career. I always actually understood why Bryce Harper took his deal because if you can ever get a, a, a contract that you know is for a certain amount of years, let's say you know a Machado, a Tatis, Harper deal, 10, We're talking ten 13, years, yeah. 10, 10 to thirteen years in the three hundred million range. What else do you ever? You can get hurt. Anything can happen, and you'd still be okay. Even if you play a couple of years, you're getting paid twenty plus million in those years, thirty million. So, for Correa, you know this is the last time he's ever going to sign a contract for the rest of his career. This is true. So get as much as you can out of it, and that's why you get Scott Boris because that's what he does. That's his literal he gets, job. He got Dallas Keuchel far more than he deserved from the Chicago White Sox that four year. And that list goes deal. on for yeah. Scott. You can oh, find everyone. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Uh, in regards to that, though. Um, what do you think Correa is going to be getting? He's looking for three hundred and thirty to three fifty million, so that Bryce Harper range of a contract. Do you think he gets it, and is he worth it? And where would he go? Hmm. Does he get it? I don't know. Fair enough. Does he deserve it? In my personal opinion, yes. I didn't realize until this year when I actually saw him play in 
the White Sox Astro series, not the playoff series, in the regular season series. I it was, was there it too. Was, yeah. It was summer, and I was really close. You know, I was right by the dugout. I have like season tickets there, and I went to fifty games this year. Anyway, it was the first time that I saw Correa, Correa live in person, and he's maybe one of the best defensive shortstops I've ever seen, and, and one I've of the seen, most athletic. Players. I've seen Baez. Plenty of times. And Baez is very, very good. Just as good as Correa. But holy crap. The fact that he can do it all better batting than Baez and have just as good as fielding as Javi. Holy crap. I mean, the guy has a gun. I, he's, I think he really is a, a, a generational shortstop. I could be totally wrong on that. But I, I really think Correa is... No, I actually do really agree, AJ. He, when I watched him, believe me, I gave him a rain of booze yeah, because of I am not exactly an Astros fan, to say the least. And I don't love him because he won a championship cheating, but hey, the guy is good, man. In advanced analytics, statistically wins above replacement, things of that nature, he's top tier when it comes to shortstops. Top three and in classic counting stats like home runs, runs batted in things of that nature. He also loads the stat sheet. So I agree he is worth 300 to 350 million. Now, you know, if, if he gets it, that, he's only going to get it from a team like the New York Yankees or right. the Anaheim Angels. Right. Yeah. I mean, you, you have to get it from a team that has is willing to give that kind of money, a big market team. There's not going to be any small market team that's going to give Correa this kind of contract. And a lot of the big market teams already have those positions filled up. So it's really down to a few few markets and a few teams, in my opinion. You know, I don't even know what the Yankees are going to do because the Yankees are exploring all of their shortstop options. I don't think Glaber's going to be starting there. I agree. And they're looking at Matt Chapman actually, and right. So him they're to looking shortstop. at they're looking at Matt Chapman at shortstop. They're Trevor looking Story. at maybe Trevor Story. I I would be shocked if they ended up putting all of their money into Correa and Garrett Cole. I like I would be pretty shocked if they had two. $300 million contracts It'd for be a the starting first time ever. <laughs> it would be wild. I, I just think that that would be insane for me. So I'm going to say Correa is not going to go there, but I don't know what his other options look like. And because of like what we're saying, his options are limited. That's where I say, I don't know if he gets the money he deserves. He definitely deserves it more than Lindor. Lindor got paid this much and, I think Lindor doesn't bring as much to the table. Lindor is amazing defensively. He's really, he's really good. Hitter, but I wouldn't call him the three hundred plus million dollar man that I would do call Correa. Right. No. Exactly. No. So I you're totally, right, for sure. I totally agree with that. So I just, I don't know what his market's going to look like if if he's going to be able to find that. You know, there's only handful, five teams that fit this category that can pay him this money and have an open shortstop position. And realistically, uh, in regards to the CBA. What are your thoughts there, just so we can close out and give the fans our thoughts on what's going on there? Because the MLB did have talks last Thursday after yeah, our episode. Yeah, I mean, they had talks. I really don't think it's going to go much anywhere. I, 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 this is just all guessing, but I, I, I feel like they're going to get it done really close to spring training, and they're not going to delay the season because there's so much on it that you know fans don't want a delayed season again. We've already had some short stuff, and... We want 162 games, and I the MLB knows that. And, you know, they lose money if they don't play. So I'm with you there. The uh, owners, to say the least, are money-hungry. And at the end of the day, any spring training games that are lost, one, their talent is not going to be happy, and two, and most importantly, the fans that aren't diehards like ourselves will go watch another sport. They'll go find something else to do with their time. So I definitely do agree with you, AJ. I feel like once spring training rolls around, which is uh, middle of February, if I'm not mistaken, end of February. Like, I think like right at the end of February. Yeah, there's a couple games at the end of February, like around the 26th or so. Yeah, they usually do um, 
like uh, scrimmage games. Yeah, actually. scrimmage games to start it off, and then following that, you get the real talent out there. But even once the twenty sixth hits, I definitely agree. It's going to take another month or so, and a couple more meetings between the players and yeah. Uh, I mean, it's not, right right now at this current moment, they are not close They're, at all. They, they they talked for about fifteen minutes and. Out the window. You know, I expected that though. I personally didn't expect them to, for their first time meeting again, to have anything get done. But I'm I'm very optimistic that they are going to have the season done on time. I think maybe a little bit that I'm just biased that I want it to happen. But at the same time, I got a good feeling that you know they just don't want to do this to the season and to baseball. They don't want to put the bad image out there. You know. Yeah, the two uh, sides felt each other out for sure, and then outside of that. They kind of got an idea of what each one's looking for, and they will have to come to a compromise. Both sides will in order to get the season started. I don't think the players or the owners want the season to be cut short. And, of course, you know, here, us at the go-ahead, we'll always keep you up to date on baseball. That's what we do. That's what we what we live for. Um, we'll tell you how that goes. We'll keep you up to date on everything else in these sports. We'll see you next week. Uh, thank you for joining us. It's been a pleasure. You can find us on the at, on Twitter at the Go Ahead One. You can answer some of our questions. I'm AJ Freeze, and I'm Will Shoemaker. Thank you, guys. This is your home for sports. This is the best fans in the world. No, no better team. SportstownChicago.com. Are you ready for this? Valley View Automotive has all of the hottest SUVs you've been looking for. Enjoy a test drive and the opportunity to drive one of these powerful vehicles off the lot for half the price. Yes, half the price. Now's the time to get yourself to Valley View by car, on foot, or even by air to take advantage of this outrageous sale. You better get here quickly, because this promotion is only going on for 24 hours, and the automobiles are leaving the lot faster than you can say four-wheel drive. Valley View Automotive, a dealership you can depend on. Hey, I'm Andy Griggs, asking you to help prevent domestic violence. Domestic violence isn't a woman's issue. It hurts all of us. Women are injured and killed every day by their husbands and boyfriends. So it's time for men to take action right now to teach boys that violence against women is wrong, to help prevent abuse before it starts. Call the Family Violence Prevention Fund at 1-800-END-ABUSE to get a free take action kit containing tips on what to say to boys. That's 1-800-END-ABUSE. Teach early. Indeed is the number one job search user with over 250 million monthly users. Indeed's priority is to help everyone in the job searching process to find a job by uploading 10 new job opportunities every 10 seconds worldwide. With Indeed, you have free access to job searches, resume uploads, and company researches. There are over 10,000 employees at Indeed that pursue to help people find the job they are looking for. They connect with millions of people.